0: Listener, production, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that loves a good business. I'm Motley Fool, Chief Investment Officer, Scott Phillips, and I'm joined by the straw man himself, the founder and managing director of strawman.com, Mr. Andrew Page. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. How's things? Mate, well, hopefully right now things are very good because I'm on holidays, at least while well, I uh. will be then- and I'm not now, but now is still then because this is the magic of podcasting. We are, as I've said before, pre-recording a couple of weeks' worth of episodes. I'm up in Queensland. I, I right now, I think I'm almost on Fraser Island. If I'm not already on Fraser Island, so I'm looking forward to uh, a bit of time, uh, hoping not to get bogged. Uh, a bit of a family holiday, which should be should nice. be lots of fun. Uh, nice, mate. Thank you for spending a little bit of extra time. Uh, well, at least at least uh, in advance pre record these because I know you've got other things to do mate but thank you for making the time to do this so we can deliver for our our listeners I know you you love our listeners as much as I do so mate, thank you for doing that hey we thought we'd do something very different now we're going to try and this this is our regular Friday podcast we normally cover things like the news and issues of of the week uh I probably know what's going on about now because I won't be able to switch off entirely from the business and investing world. Uh, but of course, we're recording this in advance, so I can't bring that to us and you can't bring that to us either. Uh, neither of us have a crystal ball yet, otherwise our portfolios would be much, much, much larger. <laughs> we thought we'd do something fun. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, many, many years ago, I was sent a spreadsheet by our global chief investment officer, Andy Cross. And he listed, and I don't know how many there were at the time. I think I've added to him a little bit. There was 13 or 14 traits of great businesses. Now, we're asked regularly, you, you mentioned before we started recording, we have, have uh, listeners regularly say, but how do you start analyzing a company? And we're not going to necessarily do that from the ground up because that's a little bit hard to do in audio and hard to kind of make sequential and do for you know extended period of time. We may try it one day if we can kind of get our heads around the best way to do it. But what we thought or what I thought when you, we suggested that was I remembered this spreadsheet. Now, it comes back from last time I touched this was November 2018. So there you go. Uh, but it's an originally a 2015 document sent to me. And as I said, Andy listed 13 or 14 different traits of great businesses. So if we're looking for quality companies, now price matters, we're not going to talk about that at all today. And we're actually going to do a two-part, I don't think we've ever done a two-part episode before or a two-episode series before, but we're doing one today because we've got 16 different traits of quality businesses. And we thought it might help our listeners to kind of go through what they are, why they matter, and then try and give some examples. Again, these aren't necessarily investment recommendations at all because we're not looking at valuation in the slightest. So hear me really, really clearly, dear listener. And when I say buy these stocks, although some of them are probably buyers for that very reason, but uh, we are saying here are some things you can look for when you're analysing a company, when you're trying to understand its quality or its opportunity. Now, I will say up front too, not all of these are going to be present in every company. In fact, it'd be the very, very, very rarest company that had exhibited all of these traits. But one of those things that, you know, if you start to think about ticking some of these boxes, uh, and by the way, play along at home, uh, if you want to, grab a piece of paper if you're so inclined. We'll do eight of them today, eight of them next Friday. I will keep score. Well, at least I'll write down the ones that Andrew and I come up with uh, and we'll see where we get up to. But yeah, I just think it'd be a really fun way to to kind of just try and tease out some of these issues, go through them. What is it? What does it mean? Why does it matter? And then what are some of the companies that seem to have the greatest uh, or, or among the grass. On the ASX, um, we might we might mention international companies, but we'll try and stay ASX related because it might help you build a bit of an ASX watch list as we try and think through some of the attributes of great businesses. What do you say, mate? Are you in? I'm in. Sounds fun. All right. Now, I uh, I, will, uh, I won't I will reel them off yet, I don't think. I think we'll just go through them one by one and we might come back to them. Let's start with competitive advantage. To some degree, this this wraps up Almost all of those traits, I guess, to some degree, some of those traits that we will talk about do cover or are competitive advantages in and of themselves. But let's start, mate, by explaining. I'll, I'll make it a sustainable competitive advantage because that's an important term. Explain to me if you would, mate,
0: the, uh, the concept of sustainable competitive advantage, So I tend to think about it in a two-pronged way. I think if you have a sustainable competitive advantage, it's either something that prevents others from entering into your space and competing with you, or if you can't do that, uh, and that's very hard to do, you can can at least exercise greater pricing power. So you can charge more for ostensibly the same kind of product or service than your competitors do and therefore enjoy better margins um uh, uh or even if it's just sort of gaining more share of mind amongst mm. c- consumers mm. you know whatever it is it just it's something that gives you an edge yep. and the important thing here is the sustainable part of it there's no point in having you know if we invent a new kind of widget that the world has never seen before <laughs> you know, we might have, we might enjoy a few years of just wonderful supernormal profits because mm. we're the only ones that do that. <laughs> yeah. But if, if it's not sustainable, the nature of capitalism will be that others will go, wow, those people over there are making incredible mm. margins, mm. super high profitability. Let's do the same. And they'll come in and they'll be prepared to accept a slightly lower margin and someone else will accept a a slightly lower margin and that that edge just, if it's not sustainable, it just just gets eroded away Mm. and you're left with very ordinary business uh, mechanics. All
1: right. So, uh, some of the examples might be, for example, patents uh, or intellectual property that preclude someone else doing what you do. It might be contracts with particular customers or suppliers that maybe you're the only one with them or at least they give you some sort of advantage. Uh, They can be... The ability to produce at a lower cost than everybody else. There's there's plenty of them around the place. Um, uh, there's a couple more. I'm not going to mention it outright because you might want to grab them. What's your favourite sustainable competitive advantage? What's your favourite category, mate, if you
0: have one? Easy, easy. Network effects. Network effects. Okay. Network effects are the best competitive now, advantage. And a network
1: of- before you do, you give that's our number two competitive advantage. So uh, trade of tra- tra- quality business. So don't give that away too much. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, uh, I love My, I, my favorite love is brand. Netflix. My favorite is brand. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, because it's one of those things where the consumer expresses a preference that is really, really hard to undo. And for me, it's like if you can get, if you can have a brand that is in demand, that people will pay more for, will go a bit further for, will cho- choose by name, or name check. So you know, I want that thing, whatever it is. Um, I, Coca-Cola, I'm until no longer listed on the ASX, but the Coke brand, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, I can't remember which one of them, funnily enough, did, I think it was Charlie, gave a whole speech about the fact that if you gave him X billion dollars, you couldn't take away Coke's market leadership, <laughs> such is the quality mm. and strength of that brand. Mm. Um, when you've got a business like that, that's pretty good to me. I love network effects as well. We will talk about that in a minute. Um, mm. So, yeah, brand, brand for me. You've talked about trapdoor
0: moats before as well, mate. Can I just get you to cover that one as a competitive advantage while we're, yeah. While we're here? Yeah. Mm. More formally known as switching costs, mm-hmm. but uh, a trapdoor, I love to think of them as trapdoor moats because, you know, once you fall down, you're, you're trapped. <laughs> and, um, and so Darwinian, so, uh, but okay. Yeah, enterprise software is a great example of this right. as well. So imagine you're a, a huge multinational company and you've got some enterprise uh, software system. These are huge implementations. Mm. Uh, they cost a lot of money um, or, uh, to install and to run to train your staff on mm. business processes from everything from HR to sales to you name it just gets wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. So in theory, well you can switch. Someone comes along and says, hey, we've got we've got a better offering for you here. Well, it's like a – yes, it's good, but it's like getting a spinal transplant, you know. It's like, <laughs> hey, here's a slightly better spine for you. We're just going to cut out your spine and put a new one in. Right. Now, when you're in that situation, you can charge whatever the hell you like and people will put up with all kinds of pain. Right. Because right. the, the – the, the, it is so <laughs> – <laughs> not impossible, absolutely not, and it does happen, but it is so difficult yeah, to switch and and uh you know I, I i think I think we 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 see a lot of it um. Just as as, as individual uh, mm. consumers, you know, and it's not, it's not and, and this is what's interesting about a lot of these sort of switching costs are not very real, but yeah. but, but perceived. So There's just totally a pain right. point. Yep. Classic example. You 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 bang on about this all the time on Twitter, right? Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but don't say bang on. You, I, I share my <laughs> quality thoughts
1: in a whole lot of detail and depth. <laughs> very thoughtfully, but otherwise called banging on. Yes, well, how do what yeah, I bang but,
0: on? You've you for a very good reason, which we, we which is um, shopping around for a better home loan. Oh right? yeah,
1: I bang on about that.
0: Make a few phone calls, right? <laughs> it's not <laughs> hard to do. Exactly. No one does it. No one does it. Very very rarely do people switch phone plans. Very rarely do people mm-hmm. switch bank accounts. Very rarely do people switch insurance provider. It's not hard, but it's a it's a pain, and and for that reason, we tend to we tend to to stick. To stick with the one that, that we've got, a huge amount of inertia that's in there, mm-hmm. and that's a wonderful advantage. Wonderful advantage. Um, companies can take advantage of that, and so we 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 probably deserve um, our pain to some degree by <laughs> by being too complacent. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's a segue there into politics, but let's not go there. Um, yeah, but but yeah, I, I think I think if you can find a, a company where the, the the customer retention is very high. That's a wonderful thing. All right. So let's talk about companies that exhibit the
1: strongest or best competitive advantages. I'm going to actually ask you to limit your choice because we are going to talk about network effects, as I said in a second. We are also going to talk about switching costs. It's our number four trait of a great business and they are versions of competitive advantage. So this is – maybe we should have done the other way around but competitive advantage broadly captures all the other stuff I talked about, patents and brands and Mm. costs and all that kind of stuff with the exception – of switching costs and network effects, if I can get you to separate those and put those out of your brain for a second. Which mm. ASX company do you think demonstrates and displays, again, with no reference to value at all, displays the strongest sustainable competitive
0: advantage? Oh, man. We should have done a bit more prep on this. That's <laughs> a big, the strongest <laughs> that that? competitive advantage.
1: Well, you know, if, you, if I'm going to say, you um, know, look, think about think about the ASX, and it can be big and small, it can be anywhere on the ASX, but think about the commission, like, you know what? They would be the hardest companies to try and... Beat. They are the hardest companies to try and uh, steal share from or overcome or compete against Mm -hmm. um, because they're just so whatever. They've got such great brands, they've got such low cost, they've got such scale, they've got uh, great patents or intellectual property
0: protection. Businesses that you're like, you know what, I don't want to compete against those guys. They're just too big, too good, too strong. Um, The examples that I'm coming. To my mind, are the ones that we're not talking about yet. Uh, <laughs> you go first. All
1: right. <laughs> I will. I will go first. I I would have said Coca Cola Amatil um, before it was delisted. Coke as a brand is just phenomenally, phenomenally strong. I, I love brands, as I said.
0: I'm going to go for a company. Can I? Can I, I stop? Can oh, I just? Yeah. J- I, not. I, I just. I, I'll put a point of challenge mm. out because I agree. Brands are wonderful, and Coke's a great brand. But Coca Cola Amatil
1: didn't do that great. No, and that's why I'm not talking about valuation here because the question was valuation and okay. market opportunity, right? So we'll talk about some of those in a minute. This is just literally if, you, if, we, were, if we were building a Frankenstein from the ASX, mm. and you said, "Let's build a company with the greatest brand in the country," I would have said outright, "Better create evangelists." Said outright, "Coca-Cola Amateur. Now, I want a growing market and blah blah blah, and Coke's issues were valuation. Also, it was so good. It was so dominant; it had absolutely just saturated the market. There was no growth left, so yeah. it was kind of at the end stage of its life. Now, so again, we're not saying we're not saying most investable companies. That's why I said at the beginning we're not trying to do that. Um, I'm going to say a company that I own some shares of. I don't recommend it uh, other than for income. Uh, we've talked about this one before. It is Telstra. I think Telstra, the ability, Telstra's ability to charge meaningfully higher prices than every single other company in the telco space in what is otherwise an entirely commoditized business, think about the NBN. Think about how you know literally everyone's white-labeling exactly the same product. Telstra charges more for broadband. Telstra's mobile network is probably a couple of percentage points better in terms of coverage, maybe slightly better in terms of speed. The premiums they can charge over Optus and Vodafone and over every other ISP in the NBN space, I think makes them the company with the greatest moat Again, if you think about it, if you, if, you, if you called these companies company A, B, C, D and E and said how much more would you pay for company A that it had exactly the same broadband and very slightly better coverage, the answer would be much, much less than the premium Telstra can charge because, hey, it's Telstra. Um, the other, other bits of, you know, it brings some, a little bit of, I would say switching costs because we'll get to that in a minute, but brand loyalty, uh, brand perception I know when I, my wife was traveling a bit for work, still does a little bit, um, just driving wise, because uh, she was going bush. Was like, you know what, let's just get your Telstra phone. She was with the Optus at the time. This is years ago. Uh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't ever a question of like, should we check? It was like, no, we'll pay the, pay the extra money because I want to know there's a greater chance of you simply having mobile reception. And that was worth real money. So I'm going to say Telstra has the strongest brand on the ASX.
0: Really, yeah. I'm surprised. Well, yeah. they haven't they haven't used that to any advantage. Because oh, would they have? Look at the prices they're charging. That, that's that's the very evidence. So like you keep going back to the share price return. So we got to no, 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 out. no. I'm not to make share price. I'm talking. Forget the share price. Let's just talk about what the company makes each year. It's making mm-hmm. less and less and less each year. So like yeah. it's either. I guess the argument could be without that, the the, exactly the decline would be far more significant. If you
1: made them all white label companies, call them Company A, B, C, D, and E. Telstra would have to drop its prices by 25%.
0: I'm absolutely certain. Mm, mm. Well, isn't that interesting that they can they can have that advantage and still be a terrible company? Uh, oh, that, and that's, <laughs> and, well, that's kind of the point. Oh, that's, that's
1: exactly the point of yeah. when you've got that competitive advantage, you can afford to do exactly those things and still be remarkably dominant with huge amounts of customer loyalty. They're losing bits yeah. of share. Again, this is not saying I'm not saying you should buy the shares. I'm not saying they go through the roof. I'm just saying if you, if you had to choose someone's brand on the ASX and attach that to your Frankenstein business, I would choose Solsa's brand. Hmm. Its pricing power is, I think, almost second to none. I'm happy to be challenged on that, but I think almost second to none. Do you have a Do you have hmm. a thought on a company other than network effects and switching costs that would
0: get well? More I'll put I'll, on, along your line. I'll go with the banks, right? Oh, I think they're nice, they're yeah. very very advantaged by uh-huh. by nature of they're so they're so structurally important to the economy. They enjoy. Advantages that that other businesses don't. Um, the the bigger ones sort of have things like you know uh, deposit mm-hmm. guarantees and stuff that the other lenders don't have. So you, there there are are there better rates of interest? Are there um, uh, better feature sets with apps and stuff that are out there outside of the big four? I would yeah. say yes. Yeah, Very right, much right, right, right. So. Very much so. But we yeah. all we all feel as though it's risky, and so we go to these guys who have. Basically, just taken advantage of our uh, uh, our laziness over the years and yeah. and used it to great effect. So uh, yeah, I'd put the banks forward in, in, in that regard.
1: I'm gonna just for the fun of it, make you pick one of them, mate. Do you have a do you have
0: a bank? CBA, CBA. Yeah, I think CBA is probably enjoys the the best brand um, out of out of all of them. But you know, there's people could argue the toss on that. There, there's not it. They they they're all pretty advantaged. Um, but CBI, I think is done, I think, well, I think again, and I'm trying to draw a line back to the share price, but in terms of they, they have had the better business performance over decades than the others, yep. um, not by orders of magnitude, but certainly better. So I think, I think that you see that logo there when you're in yeah. the market for some kind of financial product, you just sort of see trust. So I'll tell you a story. We, when I first got into this gig, yonks ago, mm. I worked with Comsec. Mm. And so we sort of one of the first online brokers. It's like aging, dating myself horribly here, <laughs> um, but I remember the CEO at the time saying to me, "It's just like our greatest advantage is that logo." Mm-hmm. So you you got it. You've got to take your mind back to when the internet was new. Could you, you know, people were very nervous about mm-hmm. putting their credit card details online, banking online, buying and selling shares online. Like it just seemed like, really, are we going to do this? What happens if I get hacked? You know, do, things mm-hmm. that you take for granted. And so that when you were thinking of of, of uh, engaging an online stockbroker, there's some brand that you'd never heard of before, just felt unsafe. Backed by the biggest financial financial institution on the planet, I'm going to go with them. And so to this day, their brokerage rates are much, 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 much higher than anyone else yeah. because they can. So it's it's another good example.
1: Yeah, and, and they've got a dominant market share of retail banking, which tells you exactly that's right, mate. Those who those who are choosing on brand rather than price are choosing a CBA, mate. Let's go yep. to your favorite competitive advantage, specifically this time. Let's talk about network effects. Mm. Um, These days, probably much, much, much better understood than when we started in this game. Um, They existed, but they weren't really as clear or as obvious as until the internet age kind of came along and just made these things absolutely turbocharged. So, again, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you explain what a network effect is, please, mate? Yeah,
0: a network effect is like a a self-reinforcing feedback loop of sorts. Uh, which just gets – the basically, the more people plugged into your product or service, the more valuable it becomes. The classic examples here would be things like Visa or MasterCard or Facebook or here at home, things like car sales or realestate.com. You know, um, if I'm going to sell my house, I, I'm not going to not put it on REA Group because <laughs> – because that's where all the buyers are. And if all right. the buyers are there, that's where all the sellers are going to put their ads. <laughs> if all the sellers are going to put their ads, that's where all the buyers are going to be. So yeah. I can, yeah. you know, um, uh, Seek is another good example here. So there's been, a, there's been a number of players that have come along over the years and tried to break that. And it's really hard. Again, so all the, all the employers put their ads, job ads on there. Therefore, anyone who's looking for a job goes on there. It's mm. very hard. Very, very hard to break. Probably the best example of this is um, Google Plus. Now, I don't know if anyone (laughs) people are going Google. I had had a Google Google Plus account once. It was awesome. (laughs) So, so Google Plus was a social network that was that was trying to compete against Facebook. Yeah. And in terms of the user interface, in terms of the um, functionality, uh, it was just I, I thought. Just worlds ahead, mm-hmm. but you know what? No one was on it. Yeah. So I would say, "Oh, you should sign up to Google Plus. It's really <laughs> awesome. It's better than Facebook." And yeah, but everyone's over there. It's like mm-hmm. it's like you and I had it. You have a party and I have a party, both on the on the same night. Yeah, you know. And you've you've hired out this really schwank sort of uh, a hotel. It's beautiful. You got the best food, the best music, some great famous DJ there. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's fantastic. And I, I'm in a little shed out out the you know at the back of someone's house. But all the cool kids have come around to mine. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. You, you can have all the you can have all the frills that you like. No one's going to your party, you know. And, and so people are going, oh, let's go out. tonight. oh, there's two parties on. Which one am I going to go to? I'm going to go to the one that is absolutely pumping, where everyone else is. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, but this but Scott's got this really you know he's got oysters and lobster, <laughs> you know, and you know Will Smith's yeah, DJing yeah, when he's not yeah. slapping comedians, you know. <laughs> there's there's Oh wow, that sounds great! Yeah, but no one's there, so I'm uh, I'm gonna. So so network effects are just <laughs> insanely bad. And so whenever you have an industry which is <laughs> characterized by that, you have one possibly two main players, and then you have a whole bunch of losers, and it's it's almost impossible to break. Not 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 impossible. So so network effects are. are um, when they do break, they tend to break it's very slowly at first and then very very quickly as everyone is you know a few of the kids start to leave my party and go to yours Mm -hmm. you know it's a trickle and then it's a stampede Yeah. so you don't want to take it for granted but but if you see if you see uh companies with with that attribute that is that is such a massive tick in my mind yeah i like that mate so who are you going with uh, I'll go REA group. And and and, and again, I, I know you don't want to, but I will just put back to the historical <laughs> evidence of of how that company has oh, has dude, performed. You're killing me. You know? You're killing me. <laughs> yes, you're
1: absolutely right. By the way, I think I think it's yeah. I think performance is important. The counterfactualized Patelstra is also important, though. No, it's like what else might have happened? I think they're both worthwhile sure. considerations. Uh, I you've done a great job of explaining network effects. I'm going to I'm going to take a different view, mate. So here's, and my thinking is that. I reckon, not not that I'm disagreeing with you for the sake of it, but I reckon REA, Domain exists because the market's big enough and Dynamics are such that both will exist for a very, very long time because if you're selling a house, you're not going to not choose the second player because just in case, if I can Mm. find some silly bugger to pay $2 million for my house, happens I only use Domain, for the 1000 bucks it's going to cost me to list my property. I'm like, "Eh, I'm probably going to make sure I'm absolutely everywhere, right? So that kind of supports a second or third player. The one I'm going to go with is very similar in style and structure. It's actually car sales. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Um, car sales has had over time not only a lot of competitors but competitors who for periods of time were literally free to use. Car mm. sales, if I don't list my car, i got to pay for it. Can't remember Carpoint? No. So it's part of the, <laughs> probably the point, right MS9 MSN kind of stable at one point mm. and it was literally billboards everywhere. List your car for free on our site. Free. Literally. What's better than Free. Do you know how we say what's better than free? Oh, nothing. The answer mm. to that what's better than free is customers, right, yeah. is buyers. Mm. And so for the sellers, they're like, I could go to the hassle to my car for free on CarPoint and maybe if I'm a Scrooge I might do it and 13 mm. people might see my ad. Or I pay 30 bucks and make sure that tens and tens and tens of thousands of people see it on car sales. Mm. And it was a, just an absolute no-brainer. Now, again, to your point, nothing is forever and it's always possible that it gets beaten at its own game. But there are alternative job Boards. There are alternative real estate boards, think of Seek and, and REA. Um, I, I just think there is no more demonstrated uh, example of the sheer power of network effects writ large than car sales. I'd even say, this is controversial, it's got a better network effect, I think, than Facebook mm-hmm. because people are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and WhatsApp and TikTok and YouTube and wherever you you know converse mm-hmm. and exchange and view and whatever. Social. Very few people are just on one network. Um, now, doesn't mean that Facebook can't generate more cash, more money. There's reasons why the me- economics might be better. And again, we're not talking about business quality here. Just straight out, for me, I think car sales is just far and away in, in, just independently. It's purely looking at the, the, the size, scale, scope, strength of the network effect. I reckon car sales comes at number one.
0: Oh, it's incredible. Again, it's evidenced, evidenced in the historical growth of the business. Mate, let's hey, can about, I can on. I can I go back very quickly? Because I wish I thought of this before. Um, I think technology one is a really good example of a trapdoor moat. Um, no, I'm just switching. Well, we're getting to switching, switching cost. cost to number four, mate, so leave that one Oh, that's, just, that's why I didn't talk about it. Okay, I'll come back to it.
1: Amateur hour, bloke. <laughs> it's destroying my podcast. This is going to be edited out entirely, mate. No live one live it's podcasting. Okay. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can you tell we're doing this without a script? Who'd have thought? Um, <laughs> let's go to number three, mate. We will get to switching cost, number four. Don't worry, hold your horses. Uh, sure, there's sure. A, a quick tip for listeners who are paying attention. Um, this one's inf- at first blush unusual, but... And again, by the way, I, I won't ask you to do this, mate. We could rank these at some point subsequently and say which are most important. I think this is one of the lesser of, the lesser importance of the ones we're going to look at today and, and next week as well. It's predictability. Mm. So when you're thinking about how much you should pay for a company or what a company's worth or how confident you feel in a business, mm. if those cash flows are just uber predictable, mm. it is just a higher quality business. Now, we, again, we can argue some are more important than others, but I, it's very, very hard if you have a really super predictable cash flow, it kind of infers a whole lot of stuff about some of these companies. Mm. So predictability is I know I'm going to get paid, I know how much I'm going to get paid and the chance of me getting paid is really, really, really high. Mm. And, you know, some businesses aren't like that. Some people, some businesses are, are hit businesses. Think about movie studios or or uh, music, music companies, software businesses, right? Uh, other businesses just ebb and flow with the economy and it wouldn't be the first time that an economic... Recession, even after day uh, years, decades, um, businesses finally go under in the worst of times. And mm. so, if you've got a predictable business, one where you can just almost, you know, you almost hear the cash register ring with monotonous regularity, as the cool kids say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a business that is obviously exhibiting um, what I would suggest is 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 quality in in its cash flows. Mm. Uh, so, you know, uh, I was going to say, that, well, and it's also, by the way, we're thinking about in the context of COVID, right? What is genuinely predictable? If you and I had done this three years ago, we said, oh, Transurban, Sydney Airport, how much more predictable does it get? Mm. Oh, COVID, right, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting one, right? We're going to have to really think this through. I'm going to have to really think this through um, as I answer and say, well, which, you know, which businesses are more predictable, than the ones that we otherwise would have gone to and said, well, of course they're predictable. What could possibly unseat Transurban or Sydney Airport's predictability? Well, now we know. Uh, So, yeah, predictability it comes down to, as I said, you can do it any different ways, number of customers, number of transactions, amount of cash, whatever. But bottom line, if the cash flows are pretty predictable, you're in a good place. Mm. I'm going to go first on this one, mate. I'm going to put Woolworths at the top of my list of predictable businesses. Uh, We all need to eat. (laughs) We all need to eat regardless uh, now, I'm not saying every dollar is predictable, right? I'm not saying you can literally bank 100% of every transaction every time. That being said, I can't remember the last time Woolworths sales fell. They may, on the back of a co- the COVID bump we went through, um, but I would argue just you know the predictability is take out the COVID bump in the first place, right? But more of us are going to eat. The population is going to grow. Woolworths are going to be the preeminent choice. Yes, sometimes they'll lose a bit of share to Coles. Coles might grow a bit faster than Woolies. Woolies might grow a bit faster than Coles. But very, very reasonable to assume, I think, that over time, without having to do much, right? They don't have to burnish their particular credentials. They don't have to go and win new customers over. <coughs> they don't have to you know, lock in new contracts. All those things are possible, right? But they're not as predictable as a simple reality. If Woolworths is open, I'm going to go and get my toilet paper and my baked beans and my bottle of milk. I'm going to probably get it from Woolies. I might get it from Coles sometimes, but more often than not, someone's going to buy it from Woolies. They're both You to throw a blanket over both of them, by the way, for this one. But I think Woolworths is slightly better, slightly bigger business and mm. that to my mind earns it the gong as what I think is probably the company on the ASX with the highest predictability of revenues. Mm. What do
0: you think, mate? Yeah, it's, that's a very strong contender. Hard to argue against that. But you will. Um, no, no, <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not going to. I mean, this is, this is the thing which is with, you know, I don't want to segue too far away from what we're talking about, but we often talk about, you know, valuation being a construct of all future cash flows. I mean, yep. you and I might argue uh, as to what some small cap growth company is going to be earning in ten years time, yep. and I might be, I might, you and I might be out by ten x in in terms of our our expectations. But you can have people who really disagree with Woolworths, but it's always, you know, the range of growth is going to be somewhere between three and eight percent for almost everyone. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. there's not going to be a huge di- divergence yes, there. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a it's a really, really, really strong um, uh, nomination. Uh, I might go with something like uh, zero. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. To, I don't. We want to save some of these because there's the, the hard part of this list is that there's a lot of overlap. Um, yeah. And a lot of these characteristics stem from from other sort of uh, 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 competitive advantages. Mm, yes, yeah. but, but with with zero, you've got all of your customers on a subscription, and we also know that there's pretty good trapdoor effects in place there as well. That people don't tend to mm, switch accounting mm, software mm. too much. We also know there's network effects at play there as well. Um, you know, the more accountants they use it, the more that they'll push their their customers onto it. The more more business owners that are using it, the more accountants will, you know, so there's all and and a whole other range of things. But, you know, you can basically just say the hard part there is just trying to guess how many new customers you'll get. But in terms of the existing customer base, they're all going to pay their monthly subscription month in, month out. You know, the day that you say, look, business owners out there going through a tough time and all, all businesses will, it's not something you can just choose to, hey, let's not use an accounting software anymore like it's it's absolutely fundamental to your business you can't live without it so it's very very reliable it's very very dependable i can take the number of customers take the the average monthly subscription cost multiply those two together and then all i have to work out is what what additional is going to be on there there's not going to be much churn right the retention is is in, is insane so any any kind of software th- this is why saas has gotten so popular to a large degree and why so many businesses are moving to this mm. subscription model yeah, yeah, because yeah. because it just it helps in that it helps in that visibility and and Investors love visibility, and that's there. A lot of companies are sort of going down this path that shouldn't, because they mm-hmm. lack a lot of the other sort of structural supports <laughs> yeah, that would sort right. of, you know, um, uh, argue for this model. But yeah, but, but there yeah. are zero. I think zero is a good example of mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. because again, you, I I could work. You tell me how many uh, paying subscribers they've got. <laughs> I reckon I can give you a very very good estimate of what their revenue is going to be for the next year. Modly full Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener.
1: Now, mate, if you were a wrestler, I-, I would call you Andrew Ram Page, but I might, knowing you, knowing the conversation we've had before, might call you Andrew Trapdoor Page. You might be the <laughs> trapdoor. Uh, Because you you do love a trapdoor, moat, You've talked about switching costs. So I'm going to give you the honour of explaining a little tiny bit more detail. We've done done a little bit of that already. You talked about the idea that uh, (laughs) it's like a trapdoor. Once you fall down, you're stuck. Uh, Like a spinal transplant. Uh, I'm I'm loving the analogies, mate. It's it's a pretty clear one. Maybe we've done enough to explain what switching costs are. If we have, feel free to go straight through to a company uh, that you think uh, epitomises high switching costs and makes it a quality business, maybe just... Talk about both in the same context, right? But uh, so, 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 if you want to add more on the, on on that, feel free. Otherwise, which is the ASX company you think that
0: has the highest switching cost that I, adds I think, to its quality reputation? I oh, see, so it's the way you frame it that makes me pause. The <laughs> highest, up, you know. I'll, I'm, what I'm just asking say- for.
1: I'm asking for. We're trying to find the, the companies that exhibit these traits. So, I, well, the one that has the, the the company. If you said, look, here's an example of a company. with Here's the best example of a company with high <laughs> switching costs. That's what we're looking for today.
0: Well, I mentioned technology one, you so did. I'll go with that. But I'll throw in a bonus one as well. Oh, so technolo- okay. technology one, I, again, do enterprise software typically yeah. for councils and in government. That is spinal transplant stuff. Changing ERP systems. Oh, mate! Right. Just any going through the process of tender. Like once you've won, <laughs> just once once a council has integrated their software, that's it. They're stuck yep. with it for the yep. next ten years. Yep. Um, so it is it is very it just. It's so hard to change mm. it, uh, SAP. And uh, what's the other one? Oracle. Um, yes. Uh, they're, they're the two big enterprise ones yep. internationally, and they basically form the the IT architecture for all the big companies. <laughs> and and again, you talk to anyone who's done an implementation uh, in SAP, it's a nightmare. You
1: wouldn't it's change a- unless you absolutely had to, right? Like once yep. again, it's like a oh, I am never going through that again. B the next one would have to be so much better to even make me think about considering the idea of maybe yes. possibly change. They could put their price up twenty five percent. You're like that sucks but no i'm not going to go on and spend six figures seven figures in some cases ripping out an
0: erp and putting a new one in oh and it just it's so disruptive to business and yep. stuff as well yeah uh, anyone, it, there'll be people out there who have had first-hand experience, done implementations <laughs> out there, and not. And it's always right it's like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to spend this much. It's like putting a renovation on your house, right? It's, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's never on time, it's never yep. on budget, yep. uh, and it's you know, you see all these renovation shows, which just give a real romance, and isn't mm. this exciting? And says, no, it's a nightmare. It always yeah, is, yeah. and 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 <laughs> and it's exactly it's the exact same with that. So technology one, um, and again, that's evidenced in how the business has performed. Um, uh, the other one is cochlear Ooh, so yeah that's a good one actually this is the ultimate tra- trap door <laughs> so when you when you if you're in need of yeah. a hearing Im- implant there's two yeah. parts to it one a surgeon cuts open your head mm. and installs mm. uh, a bit of hardware in there yep, yep. now why now is it, it in why is it in to yep. your brain essentially yep. Yep. right yep. Um, now what, what, what they also sell is the processor, which sits on the outside. Now that, that gets better and better and better each year. So I've got a cochlear hearing implant and, uh, they, they come up with a better process. It's going to include the fidelity, improve their fidelity and the, 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 the operation mm-hmm. of, of my implant. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with that. Someone else comes along and says, oh no, we've got a, we've got a slightly better implant. Yeah. So, yeah, cut my head open, rip that one out, <laughs> chuck the other one in. Once yeah, once cochlea yeah. have a customer, they have them for life. And, yep. you know, I, I don't know how much better the new product will have to be for you to voluntarily undergo, you know, yes. essentially brain surgery. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a super, super, super strong trapdoor mode. Mate, I'm, I, had this been a, a
1: genuine, you know, we get points for our answers, I would have stolen your answer directly because that is a much better answer than the one I had. I will come up with something new just because it's important to um, actually like, give some ideas. But Cochlear is, ab- I completely agree actually. Cochlear is probably the, by definition, almost the strongest trapdoor moat in the country um, mm-hmm. for exactly the reason you've highlighted. Um, by the way, super cool technology. Glad it's there. Um, and we also want to be a little bit mindful that, you know, we don't want to be completely mercenary when it comes to healthcare. Um, you know, that, that if there is, you know, it, it would be lovely if people could get better treatments to have to be able to get them more easily. Um, but the very simple reality from it with a purely finance lens is not only is it a great product that most physicians recommend, um, but it's also remarkably difficult to remove and replace. Not impossible, by the way, but just makes it super, super unlikely. Yep. Um, yep, yep. I'm going to go with one you, you've already highlighted you kind of mentioned in passing before and you talked about the fact that with, with some of these um, some of these uh, switching costs in particular or competitive advantage in general they don't even need to be actual real literal ones it's enough that it's emotional it's enough that it's just it retards action and so I'm going to go with the banks I'm going to actually go with a business you mentioned earlier which is CBA mm. and it costs nothing it takes almost no time to change banks it's I, you're right I to use sure inelegant words, bang on, about people getting a better mortgage and yet it is almost mathematically certain that 95% of us haven't got the best mortgage because there are 400-odd mortgage products out there and the chance of each one of those being exactly right for exactly the people that are having those ones right now is infinitesimally small. There's a better chance of Mark Zuckerberg not being a robot than there is of, uh, of, of everyone having the best loan, right? So why don't we change? We could. Call a broker right now. Call a bank right now. Get a better rate. No one's going to. Now, our listeners are a better class of listener, a better class of person generally. Most of our listeners would have done that, I'm sure. Hint, hint. Uh, I'm pre-recording this. I'm for another week. Do it now. And I, as long as you tell me you've done it, by the time I'm back, I'll, I will believe you. <laughs> um, but the very reality of the margins the banks charge, they get away with because we are lax in our change. It's it impossible to change? It's not even costly in any meaningful way. We just don't because it's psychically difficult. I mean, psychically in any sort of ESP kind of weird do 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 way. Just, you know, we just kind of go, oh, I really should. I better go and watch TV. I really should. Or Facebook. Uh, I
0: really, oh, I can't be bothered. Let's go to – I can't – I'm not going to have that confrontation. No, it's, because, it's because later. you have to deal with an, another right. – they're all – you know, it's just painful. I really want to – do I want to spend eight hours on a call centre to – Somewhere and just yep. you know pulling teeth and you know it's it's no nah, I got better things to do except
1: it, that you can save literally five figures in some cases doing that stuff. So anyway, I'm going to say CBA is the company that I think has the second highest. I think you're right about Cochlear. By the way, I, w- I would have changed my, changed my vote uh, had I had simply
0: just chosen to. But I, I think you're right about technology. One, you're right about Cochlear. I'll add CBA to that list of high. We, we are so we are so bad with with measuring sort of value and there's a wonderful ex, uh, experiment. It's going to date the experiment a bit, but it says something about you want to buy a CD and mm. you're in HMV or whatever and yep. there it is. It's 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 twenty bucks and then a friend calls you and says, "Oh, you're over town, uh, other side of town, uh, it's an hour's drive away, but you can get it for ten bucks." <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'm... <laughs> I can save half of it. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah now imagine yeah. you're in the market for a Ferrari. <laughs> Just yeah. go with me here, and you're looking at the car dealership, and it's like, here you go, three hundred thousand dollars. And someone says, oh, you can get the same same Ferrari over town. It's uh two hundred ninety five thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, mm. what's the difference? You <laughs> know, it's one It's, <laughs> it, 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 it's not so a big true, difference. Right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And yet, the, when you think about it, the proposition price, is right? the same. Yeah. What, yeah. what you're thinking about is: Do I travel over? Te- I will travel halfway across town to save ten bucks. Mm-hmm. I won't do it to save five thousand yeah. dollars. And you know, one of the many sort of uh, yeah. uh, cognitive uh, flaws uh, in mm-hmm. our reasoning when it comes to finance. And it's 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 a great and it's you, any company that can sort of take advantage of that yeah. is, uh, is 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 going to enjoy a bit of pricing power.
1: I think that's right. It's also. Uh... Uh, it, it, same with managed fund fees, by the way. Oh. Uh, paying, paying just one percent or zero point eight percent, well, it's kind of the same thing. A uh, difference in some fees, difference between the average retail super fund and industry super fund, apparently something like forty percent of your final balance.
0: It, it's so the know, imagine
1: t- changing the annual the annual fee difference is tiny, tiny, tiny. The what? the impact on the compound returns is amazingly huge. It's-
0: same with financial planners, right? So, yep. Yep. some someone will say, "Hey, I'm going to come to me. I'm going to give you some awesome financial advice, set you up for life, put you on the right path. Brilliant! Come pay me five thousand dollars, and I will yeah. I will work my butt off for a couple of weeks, yeah. and I'll put I will consider all of your goals and aspirations and personal's, and I will give you some awesome financial advice. Yep. Or I can go to this uh, other person, uh, and they're just <laughs> going to charge me 05 uh, percent. Yeah. From here until it turns, like oh, half a percent or five thousand dollars. Let me think about that for half yeah, a second. I'm right. going for the half a percent. Exactly. Now, now you do the maths on that, and for one is and orders of exactly. magnitude higher. You know, exactly. Uh, it's right. depressing.
1: Right. Let's keep moving. Um, this is one that people will possibly balk at, but it's one I think it's worth explaining. The next one is gross margin. Now, on one hand, the gross margin. So, for those who don't do accounting as a matter of course. Your gross margin is simply the price you charge less the cost of that specific product. So it doesn't include any of the costs of running your business. If I buy, or use Coke again. If I if I buy a can of Coke from the supplier for 50 cents and I sell it for a buck, that being been dated. Coke hasn't made a dollar for a very long time. Let's assume that's true. <laughs> I buy it 50 cents, I sell it for a dollar. My gross margin, I'm going to change it just because otherwise the mask gets confusing if it's half and half. I buy it for 60 cents and I sell it for a dollar. I make 40 cents profit. That $0.40 divided by my dollar sale price is 40% gross margin. So it's the amount Mm. of money I make on the product Mm. divided by the sale price. So $0.40 profit divided by a dollar, that's 40%. Uh, Now, then I have to pay my staff, rent, lights, freight, all that stuff. That's not included. This is just purely the cost of the actual product, right, taken away from the price I sell the actual product for. Mm. And it can be... It doesn't need to be high or low because in the total PL sense, what happens below that line matters at least as much, generally speaking. But it also tends to be true. If you're a business that has a really, really high gross margin, you are statistically likely to simply just make more money overall. And that's generally because for a, at least a mature business, and some of these businesses won't be mature, so we'll talk about that in a second. The the simple reality is if, if you can sell something for a dollar and make an 85% gross margin, mm. A, it tells you you've got pricing power, which is something. B, it tells you that you have a very low-cost product that you're selling, probably software, maybe not. It also means that as you scale, if you can keep that margin, you probably can because scaling something that has those sort of margins already means that most of that money is going to fall to the bottom line. So a high gross margin that's sustainable tends to lead to a very high... Bottom line margin or net margin, we call it, over long periods of time, it tends to be a nice precursor to long term super high profits. Um, so that's that's the that's the broad thinking. Would you agree with that, mate? As a characterization? I I would. Would you add to um, it?
0: it? Yeah. So I um, again, it's, it 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 needs to be something that that is sustainable. So that yes. that important word um, comes comes back again. Yes. Um, uh, the, where I pause is that I I I'd sometimes argue my thinking's changed on this a bit that mm. that actually really low margins can be an advantage as well. Yeah, that's true. Be, because it, it it again, if you look at a, an industry which has very 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 razor thin sort of gross margins, yeah. they themselves as a business can probably be profitable at scale because just so much volume going through that it's still worthwhile. But for me to overcome that as a competitor. Because I have to bear all the fixed costs. As I get to yep. that same kind of scale, mm-hmm. I'm just bleeding cash for yonks and yonks and yonks. And I hope that I eventually can dis- displace the incumbent. So it mm. can be, it can be so unattractive to outsiders that no one bothers going near it. That's true. So That's true. so there there are some subtleties there. But yeah,
1: <laughs> it Gr- because it sucks that badly that, uh, that I, uh, no one else wants to know to my sucky
0: business. It's true. It's, it's true. true. It's true. Yeah. It's um, it, it's it's. I think it's, it's it's interesting. It's also why I I can invest and do invest in companies that are loss-making um, and that will have negative net margins. Mm-hmm. But if you see that there's very, very strong sales momentum mm. generating very, very high gross margins, you can mm. sort of push that forward and you can sort of see an inflection point in the future. It's like, look, mm. as long as your sales momentum continues, yeah. not only are you going to reach break even very quickly, right, but as right, you right. swing past that point, it's going to it's Acceleration to just, phenomenal, isn't it? Like hot. Butter dripping to the bottom line. It's just
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: beautiful, you know. Exactly. And they sell more and more. And then, and then you you go from something that's loss making mm-hmm. to break even, and then the net margin goes from two to three to five. You know, all the way up potentially to twenty, thirty percent in some instances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's. It's worth sort of teasing apart that gross versus net margin as long mm, as mm. those costs that you're talking about are genuinely fixed or not likely to grow to the same extent as your as your sales. Mm. Um that is a that is that is what they call operating leverage. And it's a it's a thing of beauty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Let's talk about then the companies with the highest sustainable gross margins. Who would you put at the top of your gross margin hit list?
0: Oh, the top.
1: Uh um, <laughs> or whose gross margins are are most yeah make make it one of the higher quality businesses if you, if you prefer oh,
0: I'm looking at my watch list, which has all my <laughs> stocks on it and they're all like little tiny companies that no one would have heard of and uh, a lot of them are very uh, software oriented as well mm-hmm. so they right. they're essentially hundred percent gross margin right. um, uh, what's a better example what's a well known example um you go first. And I'll, I'll go first. Keep what do you think? I'm going to yeah. steal one of your earlier earlier answers. Actually, in a different category, I'm
1: going to go for zero. Um, oh yeah, zero has phenomenally high gross margins. Those gross margins are likely to be sustainable, in my view. Uh, probably grow even at because the cost of producing the product, even uh, which is largely R and D and other things, uh, is going to continue to be fractionalize in other words if sales continue to grow faster than the cost of producing those sales that gross margin can actually creep higher over time uh, and as I said it, it adds a lot of money to the bottom line as it goes from loss to profit then continues to grow that profit from there we should talk about loss to profit mate and uh, and kind of the life cycle of a business at some point but they won't do that today so I'm going to say yeah. zero uh, XRO for those following along at home not Z XRO is the code Xero is the name of the company uh, zero is the one I reckon is the highest quality of businesses with the highest sustainable gross margins.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll go Prometicus um, Prometicus yeah they, that before yeah I, I have It's it's I may have better known than it was um, yep. but but it, it it's Imaging it, it's a, software imaging viewing software yeah they take they take the the scans that an MRI machine will do and they uh, allow that to be sort of stored and transferred in a very elegant efficient way uh, mm. very much a, a software business and the margins are gross margins are near enough 100 percent. And so it's probably not surprising because they've scaled so well that their net margins are so incredible. So they yes. made, you know, I'll, I'll just put some numbers on it because I've got got it in front of me here at the moment. So they made 60, near enough to $68 million in the last financial year. Uh, uh, sorry, so they sold $68 million worth of sort of their service mm. and their net profit was $30 million. Mm. I mean, that is that net margin is phenomenal, and the reason it's so phenomenal is because the gross margin is near enough 100. Yeah, yeah. And and the cost base is very very fixed. It wasn't always that. You know, it was it was actually negative at one stage, and then five, and then ten. It just kept on going because they can support much much higher levels of sales um, with 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 the same uh, number of employees uh, selling a, a general and administrative kind of costs that 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 they have. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's that's going to be hard to top. You don't – if ever you – by the way, one of the things that I think is – we're talking a lot about sort of competitive advantages here. Yes, we are. If you ever want a quick and dirty way to say, does this company have a competitive advantage, look at the net margins. Mm. Um uh, again, more for mature. Was like more, established businesses, yeah, that's for right. For established right. businesses. Yeah. If you see a business that most – like generally speaking, like what's Woolies? Six or 7% net margin, something like yeah, that? Yeah,
1: it was – six, I think, was probably about the best they got to. Probably a little bit less than that now, but yeah, pretty good.
0: Right, right. So, you know um, – and that, that's, that is one with the competitive advantage as well. But <laughs> but when you see a business who for every dollar they sell, after tax, after costs, after growth investment, after everything, they're, they're keeping 30% of that. That that doesn't happen in, in a world that is highly competitive yeah. with lots of competing. Or it just doesn't. It doesn't, again, sustainability mm-hmm. is the important thing here. But if you see a company that has sustained that mm-hmm. for a long period of time, you can bet that there is a super, super strong moat there.
1: Now, man, we're going to talk about something that is a, a function of this, but not necessarily. We kind of we kind of walked all over it as we talked about the, the gross margin one, but the next one is marginal profitability. And this talks to growing economies of scale. Mm. So when we talk about marginal anything, we mean the, the next or the last one to be added to something. So if you think about the marginal cost of something, it's the cost of adding one more unit of it. If I grab a, a can of Coke off the shelf and I buy a second can, it's going to cost me exactly the same as the first one. So mm. the marginal cost is exactly the same. The marginal cost, though, of me uh, potentially, you know, all-up cost, going an extra kilometre, costs the, the price of an extra litre of petrol or whatever it costs these days. Uh, but I don't have to buy the second car. I don't have to take another second, you know, hour off work. Uh, so the marginal cost of the extra bit is relatively small compared to the first cost, the first kilometre, right? If I say, look, I'm going to drive a kilometre tomorrow, I've got to buy a car and fill it with petrol and get a licence and do all those things that I need to do to get the first kilometre out of the way, the hundredth kilometre, yeah, it still costs something, but the marginal cost of that extra kilometre is relatively small compared to the average cost and particularly compared to the first one. Now, marginal profitability, let's talk at it the other way around, it's how much money do I make on the last sale? So again, think about software companies, right? Microsoft has already written the Microsoft Office software suite, it's already put its marketing out there. When it sells the 101st copy or the million and first copy uh, versus the other million, that's kind of almost entirely free profit. It's yeah. literally, yes, they've got to pay the retailers some money and maybe they've got to you know send an email with a link which costs them you know a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a cent, but the marginal profitability of that copy is just phenomenally high. So it's pretty likely we're going to be talking here about... Uh, software, but maybe not. I've got a I've got a different example. I'll throw to you in a minute. Um, but that's the kind of thing we're thinking about. So basically, as it grows, and growth is important for these businesses because it, it goes the other way as well. If you lose a dollar of sales, uh, you lose all of that profit, right? You can't mm. def- put any costs back. If I don't if I don't buy the can of Coke, the shop doesn't have to buy the can to replace the one I just bought. So mm. you know the cost to it of losing that sale is the profit it loses, which might be twenty five percent, which is something. Losing 100% of a sale, that's even more. So it goes both ways. Mate, if I ask you about marginal profitability and ask you to pick a company that epitomised the ability, as it grows, to deliver a lot of money to the bottom line, and we've already talked about that a little bit, mm-hmm.
0: which business would you choose? Uh, you look, software just wins hands down every single day of the week. Um but I'll give you I'll give you another example here that just just for the sake of being a little bit different. Please, it's it's like a, anyone who's sort of studied business may have come across the example. The first, you know, the old big biro, right? Yes, a little yeah. cheap plastic. The first big biro, it, it, it probably to buy, mm, um, mm. as it rolled out of the factory, yep. was probably a million dollar pen. Yeah, because because you had to yes, build yes. the factory. Right? right. So if you do, if you built better that factory example, one one. Yep. and yep. It, and it and it pushed a pen out and then that was it. Like that's a very that's a that's a very expensive way to buy a pen. <laughs> yeah. But but once it's built, you know, it's sort of like it's it's yeah. just it's just the plastic, the ink, you know, a little mm. bit of metal. It's it's mm. it's 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 not much at all. So there's. A, I think that's a good nice example. example. That's a great example. Thank you. I'll give I'll give Elon a bit of a a a, a plug here. Mm. I think Tesla's potentially like this as well. So he okay. builds these gigafactories, right? <laughs> I love the term gigafactory. Mm. Um and they are not cheap to build. But he's no. going – he's applying the same kind of thinking here. It's like, yeah, absolute fortune to build. But once they're built, they're yeah. so so automated. It's all done by robots that yeah. as you push more and more volume through it, what's the cost of a Tesla? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the cost of a bit of metal and and and, again – Plastic and silicon and, and rubber, yeah, you know, yeah. because you can take those raw ingredients, you can push it through this this magic box of a gigafactory, and at out, out the end pops this huge high value add kind of thing. So I think right, that right, right. I actually think that's a pretty good example mm-hmm. of of that marginal sort of cost. It, it gets much lower. Another example closer to home would be mining, which we love here in Australia. Every month, every one out there is mad for mining. Mm. You know, you, you could have a plot of land with a gazillion dollars worth of gold <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> yep. Good luck to you. It, yep. It's yep. worthless until you get it out. Um, if i've if I've actually established if I've got my ports and my rails and my mm-hmm. digging equipment and all of that mm-hmm. all, all on on shop then it's mm-hmm. then it's much 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 because I'm, I'm leveraging off that invest that, that capital investment that is that is already there so mm-hmm. I know it's not the question you ask which is what's the best example but just some other ways of, of looking at it I, I had this conversation yesterday with someone they were saying oh company x y and z they've got heaps of gold and i just said it's to be be careful a you're assuming that the assays are correct and that that their estimate for what's under the ground is is is, is true and, and mm-hmm. this is an inexact science as any geologist will tell you but that's not the point before they get yeah. it out of the ground they're going to have to go spend 50 million dollars you know and then and, and then they're in a position where they can actually get at it so you've got to factor all of that kind of stuff in
1: Nice. We are fast running out of time in this episode. So we'll get through the last few. Uh, But before I move on to the next one, what would you say, which company would you highlight as offering the highest quality in terms of marginal profitability?
0: Marginal profitability. Um, (laughs) I was hoping to move past that (laughs) with my other examples. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what, I'll throw throw one out there again. It's not not a well-known name, but I've mentioned it before, Pointera. I mean, they, they, they're geospatial geo kind of um, software kind of stuff, no. very small-ish kind of company. But, you know, every time they sell it, it's it's just software, you know? So it's they've already built it. Yeah. Here you go. Here's a login. Go for it. That's that's the cost, you know? Um, so I'll go with that one.
1: I'm going to throw a couple of examples at you, then we'll move forward. Uh, one good example of this is funds management, where the cost oh, yeah. of adding an extra dollar of funds to be managed is literally free. Uh, the portfolio manager just invests point. 0001 billion rather than 1 billion uh, and there's no additional cost to the business at all. Uh, that's a good one. The other one that's not often spoken about, you may be thinking about when you talk about your Tesla example, mate, is businesses like Unity Group, or the old Unity Wireless, Vocus uh, back in the day, when you mm. lay the cable, it costs a squillion dollars and then putting more people onto that cable costs you almost exactly nothing because the hardware's already there. You're just making the sale. And so if you've already banked the cost, and that that you know when you sign up a new customer, I say, well, the, the cables already there. just just press the go button. We'll give mm-hmm. you a login. There you go, you're done. Type stuff. Um, that's remarkably remarkably profitable. I'll put yeah. MegaPort in that list actually for the I was going to say cable. Yeah yeah, 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 MegaPort's an amazing business. Um, again, still growing. Um, a long way to go. I'm not saying it's investable or you should buy shares necessarily, um, but it's sort of business that it's already paid for most of the infrastructure. Adding the customers is. Cost bugger all on a, on a on a per again that marginal level like per customer uh, the profit each new customer adds is phenomenally higher uh, and continues to be than the last one as you continue to defray those costs over a larger and larger customer base.
0: Next, next DC might be a good example of that too as a data center business. You know once, True, once yes. you sort of built built that that data center, I mean obviously you're going to run out of capacity at some point, but and while you're filling exactly, that up, it's, yes, it's yes, that's very right. Attractive, yeah. And
1: you get some businesses really quickly with sawtooth patterns for that reason, mate. So you get yes. you get a business that really really profitable, and then it can actually profit can drop. Uh, in terms of profit margins year on year, because it builds a new data center with no one in it. And then yeah. slowly fills that one up, then it builds a new one. And so as you get to 99% capacity, you're you're a hero. When you go from one factory to the big, when the big opens the second factory and puts the first pen through it, that first mm. pen again costs a million dollars. Yeah. You go, at least in theory. Yeah. And then I you think build I, it, it up, build it, it up,
0: build it up. It drives me a bit crazy, actually. I, there's actually good opportunities out there. You, you, a recent example, I think, is potentially with Nanasonics. Uh, mm. Again, disclosure I own that company, have for years. Um, they came out recently and said that we're, we were previously distributing through GE, a huge, that's huge right, medical that's distributor, right. They said, we're going to do it ourselves. Mm. Now, that means that GE is going to run down their inventory. We're going to have to bulk up our direct sales force, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to cost us $13 million in the first year. Market fell out of bed. You know, oh, it's terrible. Oh, God, the profitability has been here. Like, no, you idiots. This is wonderful news. That, that Because GE didn't do this because they're a lovely charitable organization that just wants to help out Nanasonics. They did it because they were taking, a, a, you know, a, a, they were clipping the ticket on the way through, mm-hmm. as, as they should. And Anasonic said, actually, we can do it ourselves. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, if you're a business owner and you can say, well, actually I'll take a short-term pain for long-term gain, that is a wonderful mm. thing. The market being idiotic as it so often is, just so, oh, you know, next year's profit's going to be a bit lower. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that stuff, that sawtooth pattern, as you say, because in the fullness of time, again, there's risks there. Maybe they don't execute. Maybe GE was better at doing all that kind of stuff. Let's not get into the weeds on that one. But the general example I think remains And you see it all the time where where the the market freaks out because the next quarter, the next year is going to be a little Mm -hmm. bit lower. When there's someone there making a genuinely rational, very attractive long-term decision, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they're good opportunities.
1: Nice. Uh, For the sake of putting a point, this is a
0: a, a, a controversial one. I'm not going to go
1: into detail. Uh, I'm going to for a fund manager. And because they're the biggest and best known in the land, I'm going to go with Magellan despite the fact they've lost a squillion dollars in share price and market capitalization and – Uh, half a squillion dollars in funds under administration. If and when they can turn that ship around, it has probably got the best... Uh, marginal profitability. Let's uh, let's finish off with a bit of a double, mate. Can I? I, I, I just have to. You, you, you've
0: tempted me there. Are you? What we have to remember with this marginal, <laughs> the, this dynamic that we're talking about is you yep. want to be a, the, the the downside of the fund management industry is it can yep. go as quickly as it comes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so you see it, and that's what you saw with with Magellan in reverse. Yep. So when when they're making scoons and everyone loves Hamish and it's brilliant, there's <laughs> more money. It's all this. The marginal profitability is insane, but that that also works in reverse. So you you want to make sure that some of these other elements that we've talked about, such as trapdoor moats, et cetera, et cetera, will, are also mm-hmm. positive because, you know, it's, it can be a double-edged sword.
1: That can, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and, that, it, I said, it, and they've got to be growing, right? That's the yep. point of marginal profitability because if you don't can make any extra. Sure- you can't have any marginal property because it doesn't exist marginal is yes. on the next sale right or the last sale I guess but yes you want, you want growth there um, Magellan may continue to decline by the way I'm not saying you should buy the shares as with any of these ones they're not recommendations they're simply identifications I could have put Megaport in there I could have put Perpetual in there I could have there's other, other fund managers Pinnacle possibly it's a slightly different business model so I didn't but Pinnacle Investment Management is an interesting business too mm-hmm. Mate, let's let's finish this last two a little bit together I'll introduce them both and we'll try and uh, nail a couple each and, and uh wrap this up. They are customer concentration and major partner dependency, which we could have called supplier concentration, but it's not just concentration in this case. So let's do the first one first. If you've got three customers and one of them walks, that's a pretty rubbish outcome. Mm. If you've got 20 million customers and one walks or 10 walk or 100 walk, you're pretty much okay. Mm. So in terms of thinking about quality of businesses, and plenty of people overlook this. This is why we're doing this in a little bit. I don't remember the last time I heard anyone in the investment space talk about customer concentration. Hang on, they've only got five major customers. If one of them goes away, we're in trouble. Mm. Uh, but it's a real issue. So this one is not necessarily uh, – you know, it's not quality because it has high customer concentration. We're looking for low customer concentration. We're looking for businesses that can spread their risk by having a very large number of customers. Uh, business like – I'm trying to think of the name of it. Uh, I think it was Nearmap in the US – had mm. Google as a customer, I'm I'm stretching here, mate, and the, they lost a couple of big customers at once uh, in one year in the US. Mm. Google and one or two others, I think that was something like fifteen or sixteen percent of their revenue when one or two customers walked away. This is the sort of thing we're thinking about here when it comes to having low customer concentration. I'm now wishing I hadn't have gone with Woolworths earlier because there's probably no company with more customers in the country. Than our grocers, I think almost by definition, uh, Transurban probably comes close. So that's actually what I'm going to go with. Uh, you want in this case, again, I'm not saying it's the best company because of this only. So I, I'll keep disclaiming as I go. Um, but in terms of businesses other than other than the grocers, uh, the banks are in that range as well. Uh, for mine, because Transurban is the only toll road in town and the only fast way you can go by the back ways if you want but in terms of customer concentration their exposure to some customers leaving you want the largest customer base possible and so for that mate i'm going to go with transurban
0: what about you yeah i like that i might go for some reverse examples just because you talked about woolies there everything yeah. like, there's a couple of suppliers on the asx that <laughs> that do groceries or you know, so we're going on. to major department of dependency in a second dude Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh well, I've started now. Go but, on, kick you go. Know, yeah, well it just you know, it's sort of like is, imagine imagine you've you've I don't know, you've started a range of fruit juices, you know, mm, you're mm. out there, you're selling it on your little lemonade stand business yep, yep. and then Woolies comes up and says, Hey, we'd like to put your product in in our in our network. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, you've just gone from selling like three three, you know, orange juices a day to like, you know, thirty thousand. It's wonderful. But you've got one customer essentially. Yeah. Yes, so you, exactly. That's you right. need you need to watch that in uh, very 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 closely. In
1: fact, mate, I worked for a supplier, food supply, worked for Heinz. Uh, I don't my name check it was a million years ago now. Um, but at that point, because it was middle of the store, what they call dry groceries, so stuff in a can or a tin or a packet, uh, Coles and Woolies were eighty five percent plus of most categories. Mm. And if Woolies if Woolies or Coles wouldn't take your product, you didn't make it. Yeah. almost exclusively. There are, there are examples. Exceptions. You can't
0: replace it. Yeah. Well,
1: it just wasn't worth it, right? You say, well, I need, if I'm going to make this product, I need certain volumes. Mm. If Willie say yes and Cole say no, or Cole says yes and Willie say no, it almost, most of the time, we said, well, let's not do it then. Unless, yep. both, unless both parties said yes, we just couldn't get the scale we needed to make it profitably. So it's a, it's a remarkable one, yeah. Back to yep. customer
0: concentration, though, mate. Uh, which ones have the lowest? Uh, so I'm going to give another reverse example because it came to mind. The Jumbo Interactive, I own shares in that. Um, I do like the business actually, but they they were a, a lotto ticket reseller. Yep. And uh, well, the Tabcorp was they existed on the good grace of Tabcorp, allowing them to sort of do that. And then Tabcorp came along and sort of said, "Well, we want a bit more of the action here, thanks guys." Mm-hmm. And they ended up negotiating a new 10 year deal and the rest of it, which problem. sort of which gave us a bit of a, a, a bit of breathing room, and yeah, uh, we right. could get into jumbo. But it's a whole other reason as to why I think it's good. But um, yeah, wasn't 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 that an example of of having having a lot of customer concentration? Do you listen? Um,
1: to, I am desperately trying to get Andrew back to the uh, answer the question I've asked, despite the fact I've asked him three times. So now I'm going to uh, try and shame him into actually giving me an answer. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> which customer on the which company on the ASX do you think has the lowest customer concentration?
0: <laughs> I don't know I'm just struggling to think of an example <laughs>
1: you've been stalling for time have you
0: I have you, you went you went with Woolies and so I kind of think oh geez, that's hard go to with
1: I went with Woolies for uh, predictability so you can go with it for customer concentration if you want I went with Transurban for mine for this one so. well
0: I, I thought sorry you're right you did I, well you like again right like so so uh, it, it's you know half the people in the country so you know you or I, I hate Woolies I'm never going to shop there again so what <laughs> they don't care So that's my example.
1: Nice. And let's finish off, mate, with uh, major partner dependency. Now, this, again, Mm. think of – so we're talking about customers, right? People are going to buy stuff from us. In this case, we're talking about potentially not necessarily suppliers or maybe other partners, other parties to our business who if they change their minds or their circumstances – might impact on our business. So again, you mentioned Jumbo, great example. Um, food uh, supplies, great example of some major partner dependency. But in this case, we're looking for low major partner dependency. So maybe it's many, many, many suppliers or businesses that have the ability to call their own shots.
0: Um, again, high high dependency, easy to think about. They're the ones you, if you, so you need to avoid them. Treasury really is a good a example, careful. by the way. It just occurred to me too in terms of China being a major customer and look what happened when China decided to – Imposed right. massive tariffs, and,
1: and it's funny too because we wouldn't you wouldn't have considered that a customer or a partner right the, the, yeah. the regulatory mechanism of China I mean you might have as we got closer and closer but five seven years ago no one's going eh, I think we should worry about the Chinese government here it just wasn't yeah. a consideration so you're absolutely yeah. right that's it and you know we can call that for sure major partner dependency in, in some ways but again it's right that's why it's worth thinking just not about only the specific right so partners for example one might be government so you mm. think about crown mm. or star, right? We've talked about those in the last couple of weeks in a lot of detail. Mm. Um, those are the business. You know, is there serious? You know, does the government buy or sell from from crown or star? No. Do they regulate the hell out of them? You bet. And if you annoy them, oh, I was going to use a different term then, but I won't. If you annoy them, uh, it's going to be it's a tough one. So, what about low major partner dependency, mate? What would you think about from that
0: perspective? Oh man. Well, I think it's a. I think it's good. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 oh, well, it's, like, it's an example from yesterday. Me and some straw man members went and did a site tour of EM Vision. It's a, envision, it's a medical um, technology company, very nice. early stage. Don't want to get into it. Very, very early stage and, and more risky. Um, uh, but it was interesting when we were speaking to the – looking at the, at the factory floor there and – they about the component parts mm. and uh, the chief operating officer and the chief scientist are basically saying, yeah, we actually sourced these from five different places or whatever it right, was. Right, right, right. You think, well, why? Isn't just go with the better one? <laughs> it's like, no, because we've yeah. learned from COVID. We, <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah, right. You know? Well, COVID is so, a great example of that. Totally, yeah. 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 And and so, again, it's just to illustrate that point. It's just sort of like I think mm. com- it's, mm. it's been it's been a lesson hopefully a lot of companies have learned. It's just sort of like... Yes, you sort of find the best one, lowest mm. price, negotiate the best deal, and that's it. But that counterparty <laughs> yeah. risk is real. So it's better to sort of intentionally take lower margins and mm-hmm. more costs and that. But if it gives you that sort of anti fragility or that, that robustness, it's it's probably a good thing. Awesome. Um, I'm are you go with the envision again, or are you going uh,
1: with something else?
0: Uh, no, I'm like, that's, that's a really terrible example. It's just okay. a very real example. Yeah, that yeah. I yeah. happened good, to, good example, to notice yeah. yesterday you go mate I'm, I'm struggling to think of one no worries
1: uh, so it's tempting to it's tempting to go say the banks for example are uh, lots of depositors lots of borrowers but we know mm. the credit markets can freeze up similar to the China story similar to the COVID supply chain story these these mm. things are real right and again who are the partners not necessarily the pure suppliers but the mechanisms through which these things all of a sudden you have a lot of partners who operate exactly the same way a lot of buyers in China mm. change when the Chinese government said X no matter how many wholesale funders you've got when the credit markets dry up everyone says whoop we're out and so you all of a sudden, you end up with this kind of cartelish kind of behaviour, which can be really, really challenging. Um, I'm going to go for a business that is diversified by nature in this one. Uh, tempted to go for Solpats, a company whose shares I own. Uh, bit of a cop-out because they are an investment company as well as operating business. So you kind of get a bit of both. But I am going to stick with a conglomerate. I'm going to go with West Farmers. If you think about the breadth of West Farmers' business, the number of businesses they've got, the number of people they deal with, uh, the number of industries they're in, This is one where diversification is a massive, massive, massive beneficiary uh, or reason to to, to find benefit. Uh, So I'm going to go with West Farmers, everything from coal to chemicals to retail and even in those retail spaces, so many, so many different players in that space. Mm So I think West Farmers is the one that comes to mind immediately as having the sheer largest number of individual partners across yeah, I mean, everyone's, everyone's regulated by the Australian government, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you can make it better by going somewhere with multinational, literally, you know, very, very international businesses and minimise even further. Uh, but for me, West Farmers ticks that box. How about you?
0: Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm, so, I've opened up – I searched ASX 300 and I'm scrolling through <laughs> in desperation, hoping you'll talk longer. It's to hard, find, right? It's really hard. It's really yeah. hard. I mean – I mean, there's so many exceptions to the rule here as well. Yeah, like some, true. some, you know, it, it's sort of the the, the the counter argument to that would be: was you're so diversified as to mm-hmm. uh, diluting the real star performers of of that's the business. Absolutely true,
1: and that's why again we say none of these are in and of themselves reasons to buy or not buy. Um, yeah. It's always about you know considering these in in isolation and then together and try and mix them together. So you might say, you know what, I'm happy to take a risk on China because in Treasury's case, I own shares, by the way, in Treasury's case, uh, you know, I think the business is going to be okay without it. Now, whether that was right or wrong, you could have made that decision. It's just worth thinking about some of those things to making sure you understand the impact and the risk you're taking. And this is a great way to, to either look for opportunity, quality, and also the reverse of those, as, as Andrew's mentioned with a couple of these, is look for areas of risk where they don't pass, in fact, fail meaningfully, some of these metrics, and then decide whether you think that's a problem or not.
0: Maybe computer share, I'll go with. Oh, that's um, a good one. Yeah. So companies on the ASX, international business? Yeah. You know, so it's sort of like, you know, that there's, so there's a share registry business. <laughs> I like they, that. On, on the behalf of, of listed companies, they make sure that shareholders have their tax details, they get all the annual reports, yeah, et cetera, nice. so dividends, they manage all of that kind of stuff. And uh, interestingly enough, they also enjoy pretty good switching costs and pricing power and a lot, a lot mm. of the other mm. things as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if if BH, well, I don't know, if BHP use computer share, but the same example, they say we're going to use somewhere else. They're not. I mean, it's just not going to move the dial, which is another nice thing about it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But but if they were, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Very, very low customer concentration.
1: Love it, mate. That's very cool. That t- that finishes our first half. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We certainly enjoyed going through and kind of mulling on some of these things. I hope it's given you some more things to think about and to talk about to include in your analysis. We mentioned, I want to say 15. Fourteen different companies across eight different categories. A couple of double ups. Andrew gave you an extra special one uh, when it came to switching costs. So plenty of great stuff there. As we say, uh, none of these are independently either recommendations or sufficient in any single category to make these companies worth buying necessarily. Uh, but we hope you've enjoyed the conversation. Will you come back on Sunday for a mailbag? You month? know I will. You know and I then will. And next week we're going to go through the next nine, next eight, sorry, next eight of these traits of great businesses. So make sure. If you haven't already, subscribe. By the way, if you want to leave us a rating, please do that. Also too, when we get back from holidays, we'll be looking for your mailbag. So hit us up, info at fool.com.au. Make sure you go to the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. You know our handles by now. And the Google Sage, pluses. And the Google pluses. At Sage underscore Simeon. At Strawman Invest. Two places to get Ram exclusively on Twitter. Now, I'm on Twitter and Insta at TMFScottP. The Motley Fool is there too, at The Motley Fool AU. If you're on Facebook go to facebook.com slash money or facebook.com slash Australia. And until next
0: time, this Sunday, Fool on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691. Listener.